Dominus Fobiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. On earth, nations in agony, bewildered by the clamor of the ocean and its waves. Men dying of fear as they await what menaces the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man come in in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand erect, hold your heads high, because your liberation is near at hand. Watch yourselves, or your hearts will be coarsened with debauchery and drunkenness and the cares of life. And that day will be sprung on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come down on every living man on the face of the earth. Stay awake, praying at all times for the strength to survive all that is going to happen. And to stand with confidence before the Son of Man. Verbum Domini. St. Paul in the first letter to the Thessalonians tells us that, urges us that we should make more and more progress in the kind of life that we are meant to live. What kind of life? The life that God wants. How do we know the kind of life that God wants us to live? The Apostle himself tells us, as you learnt from us and as you are already living in it. So St. Paul himself taught the Thessalonians what God required of them and the Thessalonians had actually began to put this into practice. He goes further and he says, you have not forgotten the instructions we gave you on the authority of the Lord Jesus. So with these words, the apostle tells us that his letters, his writings, are directly from God, inspired by God, and that they contain the, um, the framework, they contain the instructions which God has given us by which we can make spiritual progress. Now this spiritual progress is individual, each one of us is singly. It's also community as a people. And of course, it is also ecclesial, the church itself. But we all know from our own personal experience that we start off well, and along the way, temptations come, and depending on our 
own particular inclinations, we either struggle against the temptations or we give up. Sometimes we may go very far from what God wants of us. Equally, we can struggle never giving up and remain very close to what God requires of us. And there are many examples of this in the lives of the saints. So for instance, and this is very important, the work of a mother is exceedingly important for the life of an individual, in fact of her children. So we have, for instance, two very good examples. We have that of St. John Bosco and his mother. His mother prayed for him continually. And St. John remained faithful to his baptismal promises. We also have another well-known example of St. Maximilian Kolbe and his mother's love for him and her constant prayers. Both of these remained faithful to their baptism. They followed the vocation God had given them and they became not just saints, but great saints. At the other extreme, we have St. Augustine, his mother, a very devout believer, who prayed unceasingly for him. And it seemed that the more she prayed, the worse he became. He actually left the church. He lived immorally for many years. But Monica did not stop praying. On the contrary, she prayed even more. And then she lived to see her son become a Catholic once more and to follow his vocation. She died before he could in fact be, become a priest and a bishop, and not just a bishop, but one of the four great doctors of the Latin church. So the prayer, the, when St. Paul says, we urge you and appeal to you to make pro more progress in the kind of life that we're meant to live. It's not just we individually, but we have to pray for others as well. So just as mothers pray for their natural children, so also does the church pray for us. And that's what happens in the Mass and the sacraments. It is the prayer of the whole church, praying for each individual member. As I said at the beginning, we start well, and we get distracted along the way. We fall away. But someone's prayer is always there to bring us back again. Now, in the Gospel, our Lord hints at that somewhere, where he tells us, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. On earth, nations in agony, bewildered by the clamor of the ocean and its waves. Men dying of fear as they wait what menaces the world. So there are three things. There are disturbances in the heavens, there are the troubles on earth, and people are afraid. Afraid of what? Of the supernatural, of that which, or better still, of the preternatural, that which is spiritually greater than us. There is an evil spirit moving about in our world, corrupting everything that is good, causing many to lose faith. This is what we fear. We see public, publicly worship of Satan being approved. 
earlier this year a statue of um, Baphomet, that is one of the um, expressions of Satan. A man with a goat's head, goat's feet, with an upside down cross on his chest. One of these statues was publicly unveiled in Minnesota. And part of the ceremony involved worship of Satan. In the attack in Paris this, um, this month, in the nightclub, Bataclan, there was a rock group which was playing a song, Who Will Love Satan? And the, the audience responded, We Will Love Satan. Who will serve Satan? We will serve Satan. Who will kiss Satan? All of these words are on the internet. Just Google, you'll see them. And at that point, the terrorists entered and shot everybody in sight. Satan had come to claim his own. But this is the kind of world in which we're living in, where Satanism now is publicly approved. Why? Because nations have lost their anchor. What were once Christian nations are no longer so. And so the leaders, the rulers, the governments are bewildered by all of this confusion, unable to make sense of it. Why are we under attack? What have we done? They ask. What they've done is what's not been done. They have not worshipped God. They have exchanged him for a creature, and an evil creature at that. And then the Lord goes on, or rather the Lord began, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. He's not referring so much to the created order, but rather to the spiritual order, which consists of what? His church. Our Lord said that those who teach others the way of virtue will shine as brightly as the stars in heaven. But what happens when priests, bishops, seminarian professors are afraid to teach the truth? They no longer shine in heaven. And then the moon. What is the moon? By itself, the moon is just a large, very large, dead planet. It receives light from the sun. Who is the sun? The sun is a symbol of Christ. He's called the sun of righteousness. The sun is a sign of Christ. The moon represents his body, the church on earth. And so when the divine law is eclipsed, when Christian teaching is no longer explicit, the church itself loses her light. And these are the signs that we are seeing today. No longer is there spiritual leadership. No longer do we even have civil leadership. We seem to be drifting towards what? towards a chaos. But the Lord tells us, when you see these things happening, 
hold your heads high because your liberation is near at hand. So for believers, these are, sign, these are signs of encouragement, not to despair because Christ has won the war. He tells us though that if we wish to hold our heads high, if we want to receive the liberation that is so close, then we need to watch ourselves. If we do not watch ourselves, he tells us what the consequences will be. Your hearts will be coarsened with three things, debauchery, drunkenness, and the cares of life. And then the day will be sprung on you suddenly like a trap. These three things, debauchery, drunkenness, and the cares of life. Our Lord spoke of when he gave the, spoke the parable of the seed, the sower who cast his seed. And we're told that some of the seed was choked, some of it didn't even spring up, some sprung up immediately, and so on. But only a quarter actually produced a crop. He also spoke another parable in which he, again speaking of the end times, he spoke of Noah. He says, when the Son of Man, the days before the Son of Man is coming, will be like the days of Noah. People were eating and drinking, marrying wives and husbands. Nothing wrong with that. And they did this right up until the day Noah went into the ark. But there was something wrong with what they were doing. Eating and drinking, marrying wives. They were doing it in excess. That was why God was angry and sent the flood. So we also need to be careful that we do not use that which is good to excess. Because marriage, is being debauched. We have many sins against the sacrament of marriage. And even the sacrament of marriage itself today is under attack. Eating and drinking, again to excess, so that we become drunk. And then he also compared his days to that of the days of Lot in Sodom. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling. Eating and drinking, again, leading to debauchery. But buying and selling means that they were concerned more with the material things of life, the cares of life, the concerns of this world. And so, when fire came, for them, it was a trap. And the Lord warns us that this will come down on every living person on the face of the earth. Why? Because the sun, the scriptures, the teachings, the commandments have been eclipsed. So he tells us, stay awake, praying at all times for the strength to survive all that is going to happen and to stand with confidence before the Son of Man. Stay awake. When our Lord went into the garden, he brought his disciples with him. He told them, stay awake and pray that you do not be led into temptation. They slept. 
And so when the soldiers came, looking for the light of the world, the disciples ran away. They did not have the strength to survive what was about to happen to their head, to our head and master. And so the disciples, failing to stay awake and failing to pray, fell into temptation. We have that as an example. And therefore, we also should take warning from the Lord's words. And so we stay awake and we pray for strength to survive. But where will the strength come from? It can only come if we stay like John, the only apostle to be on Calvary. It can only come if we stay like John, close to Our Lady. Because the Lord, looking down from the cross, saw her and said to her, Woman, behold your son. And to the disciple who stood close by, Behold your mother. And from that moment, he made a place for her in his home. And so, Our Lady is our mother, who will always pray for us, who will always intercede for us. And no matter how far we stray from her son, her prayers will draw us back. And if by God's grace we do not stray far, her prayers will give us the confidence to stand before the Son of Man. Let us then, as we begin this new liturgical year, entrust all of our concerns, all of our problems, into her maternal hands, asking her to pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.